Ladies and gentlemen, you know exactly what time it is. Welcome back to the Catitude Podcast on the Believe Network. I am your host, Anders Pryor. Uh, surprisingly good weather on campus today. Uh, we have a very special guest with us today. Our first guest, subject alpha in, in the studio, Ryan Hartnett. Ryan, if, if the, if the, <laughs> I, I, that, that didn't sound as good as it looked, no, but we just no. had a crazy, crazy <laughs> dap up there. Yeah. It was um, clean. Uh, Ryan, thank you for being here. Ryan, uh, tell the the wonderful and lovely audience uh, what it is that you do here and what your role is and what it and what it it entails. Educate the people, educate America about, about who, who you are. <laughs> well, first of all, thank you, Anders, for having me on the pod. I'm really excited to be here and excited to be your first guest. So, mm-hmm. uh, just thank you, thank you, thank you. But um, yeah, so to uh, all the listeners out there, my name is Ryan Hartnett. I am a junior now at Villanova, studying communication with specializations in journalism and possibly public relations. And you may or may not know me as that dude always in the front row of the student section, mainly section 106, I believe, at the Fenner Pavilion or uh, 120A at the Wells Fargo Center. You'll always see me screaming my head off, making occasional appearances on national or local TV, uh, blowing it up on Twitter and social media and all that jazz. And uh, I am one of the nation game day leaders. So I lead all the chants, get the crowd hype and everything like that. Uh, and really just help out with giveaways and everything like that uh, for the student body. And really just my goal uh, is to just make the student section as loud and rowdy as it possibly can be. Uh, no matter the substances any student may or may not take uh, during any kind of basketball game. Just always trying to keep it 100 all 40 minutes and just make the place yeah. rock. He's in your feed, basically. That's, yeah, that's, that's the essentially summary. what I'm trying yeah. to say. No, he, he, yeah. he's there. He, if you go here, you know. You, if you don't know who he is, you've seen him, you, you've seen... How you've seen how handsome he is, and you've seen and, and you and every and everyone's everyone has seen this kid's veins coming out of his neck from the from the screaming and the in the audio video, it's it's all there. <laughs> if you don't now now you have a name. Now, to the now face. you know. Now, now you, you know, know. I, exactly. Um. So because this 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 product is the sort of from the point of view of, of a student. I think it's appropriate that our first guest be someone who is actually within the community that this program resides in. Um, and that's why I think your perspective is important because we've had these kind of in-depth conversations before. Um, so the Big East is really, really, really interesting. Now, last week, one of the things that I've talked about, one of the things that I did talk about was that um, – I think it's a blessing in disguise for us that the conference is now a lot harder and deeper than it was, you know, seven, eight years ago, because we have the opportunity, you know, against the clear big three, which is UConn, Marquette and Creighton. We can argue the order for hours, but that's the big, that's the big three. We have the opportunity to get, affirming wins in season in in conference play i i contrasted us last week or earlier this week with gonzaga where 
Gonzaga is always ranked really high, but the reason we never take them seriously is because they don't have many quote in the race in yeah. big big wins, and part of that is because they never really have the quote unquote opportunity to to get them. We take mostly most seriously they're kind of the stuff that they do in like December, etc. Versus I feel like for us. You know, we, we, and obviously, you know, things like the Big Ten and the Big 12, everyone's just shooting each other. Um, everyone's kind of, you know, chipping at each other's records, so it all kind of evens out. But I think, feel like for us, where there's a clear Big Three and there are more, I think, pathways to kind of elevate us. Um, and so because that's the case now, I, I try, unless it's like a big game against a ranked opponent like UCLA when they were ranked, I think, ninth like two years ago. Yeah. Um, unless it's like that caliber, I try not to to overreact as much to non-conference play. But how, how do you view the kind of pros and cons of this conference being so unbelievably competitive? Because Jay Wright always said there's no easy night in the Big East. And that was usually just like an attestment to like the physical style of play. Now it's literally like there's no easy night in the Big East because all of these rosters are insanely loaded. Yeah, I mean, like unless you're playing uh, Georgetown, unless it's Patrick DePaul. Ewing and unless and, it's and Coley. Well, actually, no, we lo- we lost to Paul last year. Yeah. We can't really make that yeah, joke yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I've always said forever that the Big East is the best basketball conference in the country. I'd say the probably like the one I'd argue. With the Big East is probably the Big 12, mainly because everybody in that conference is just so damn strong. Uh, But really, just, like, going back to, like, you know, like, 2015 to, like, 2017, 18, like, Villanova just manhandled everybody. Like, they manhandled everybody and their moms at that point. Like, it was just, like, like, really, there was Villanova, and then there was the rest of the Big East, it felt like. And then you would occasionally have, like, Creighton, they would have, like, a good year. Or, like, like a Seton Hall Yeah, like, with a Seton Hall. Like, they were, like, yeah. yeah, like, what Trenton makes the world takes. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, 2019 or 2020 was when the Big East really started to kind of, like, look into its, like, former self, like, pre, like, like Big East 2.0. Like, like we're going to, like, the OG Big East. Where right. Like, it was, like, Pitts, Syracuse, all them. But, like... Um, just not the burning dumpster fire that is the ACC. Right. Um, really, just everybody uh, now is just competitive. Everybody has uh, a chance to win. Everybody uh, just really, like, it makes the Big East, like, great. And that's why I always root for Big East teams. Even, like, uh, the likes of UConn, who I just don't like, even Providence. Like, I root for them when it's not Big East conference season because right. I want it to show that the Big East is the best basketball no, conference in no, America. No, dur- during non-conference play, I root for every Big East team to win so that it oh, makes yeah, 100%. Our, our, our wins look stronger later. Exactly. And I think, I think a lot of that is actually coaching. And I think that for a lot of people... That is why the Kyle Neptune, the slow start to Kyle Neptune is to some people a little scary because there is no reason why Dan Hurley should be able to, should slow down in the recruiting and the depth that he's acquiring. And now Shaka Smart looks like arguably the best coach in the conference in terms of like a, a mentorship standpoint. Um, you know, sh- not, not as hard, you know, Sean Miller isn't going to, going anywhere. Um, and we had Jay, 
you know, yeah. who was like the big dog in the house, just not even from an accomplishment standpoint, just from an experience standpoint to kind of counter like, oh, here's this great new coach that this Big East team has, but they still have to go through Jay Wright. And, exactly. and we and we kind of got, you know, kind of an even face to face there. Mm-hmm. But now it's it's not that, OK, well, Kyle's a new coach and he's struggling, but that's OK because everyone's young and, and we have some fluctuation. So there's some room for error. Yeah, it's OK. Kyle barely cracked 500 this year and he just lost to Penn again. And Dan Hurley and Shaka Smart and even Greg McDermott aren't going, despite his controversy, aren't going anywhere. Sean Miller's not going anywhere. And now we have Rick Pitino in yeah, the mix. Yeah, Pitino. So d- does does that, does the, does the fact that that's the group of coaches that he specifically has to go up in comparison to Jay, does that worry or scare you at all? Because it scares me a little bit. Not really. I For right now, I'm totally not focused on Big East play right now. I'm sure. literally, the only thing I'm focused on is tomorrow's game against Maryland and Kevin Willard. Right. Which, like, I feel like that kind of feels like an even matchup. Which, like, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod. Right. But, like, like, honest to God, I'm not worried. The sky isn't falling. Everybody no. who, like, overreacted to Penn, I'm like, guys, like, this is kind of like, I, I, I compare it to, like, any, like, AFC or NFC, like, division rival. Like, we right. see Penn, like, literally every year, and, like, they're so familiar with mm-hmm. us and our play style, and, like, we're so familiar with them and their play style that, like, really, like, it's just, like, one of those losses where it's, like, kind of, like, oh, how did you lose to them? Like, they're, like, a city city rival, city team. We right. see them a lot. They just kind of, like, they are just, you know, it's just a city rivalry. You know, it's, like, classic Big Five basketball. And I just, I think really I am starting to ask questions about Kyle like don't get me wrong right but I think for right now we need to kind of just be like hold on hold on we're two and one three games in let's just kind of take it one game at a time one Mm -hmm. day at a time and then we'll kind of go from there because if we lose tomorrow against Maryland at home then we're gonna start having a different conversation I feel like I feel like that's gonna be a real hot topic. We need some positive so, momentum coming so, into Bahamas. So, so last year, I remember. So last year after the Oklahoma win, so morale just skyrocketed it's at that point. Literally, flew. E- everyone, everyone kind of just forgot what happened. The the pen law, it could just be a coaching matchup thing. That that quite frankly, it might. I I I never like to view things as simple, but it might yeah, just no. be as simple as that. It, it's hard to say, but I mm-hmm. think tomorrow is a perfect get right. Yeah, this Spot. is a perfect statement what, what, game. Yeah, so so like, what do you like? So I, I, I so I guess yeah, like you're you're so in your, you know, so quickly about tomorrow. Like, what is your analysis of of Maryland and and what a win means? Not even what a win means and a loss means because we all kind of understand that. But yeah, like you know, just based off any analysis of that specific team you've done and what our group should do to 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 counter counter them to counter a, a, a big 10 opponent that we haven't really had much experience against yeah no I think well Kevin Willard he's gonna know it's kind of like the back of his hand you know we've seen right. him many times in that classic Seton Hall Nova rivalry sure. yeah and now he's uh in the big 10 with Maryland and it's I, I think it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good tough game but a game that will really challenge the team but also kind sure. of help them out in the long run mm-hmm what I am really looking for is just a fast start from the Cats. The past three games, 
It's been slow start after slow start after slow start. Really, I just want them to hit the gas, no breaks, and just, like, you know, get to the cup. Like, get those open shots. Move the ball around and break down Maryland's uh, defense because I think that's a big part in it. But also another thing that uh, Kyle actually talked about in his postgame presser was defense. The defensive efficiency for Nova right now, according to Ken Palm, uh, it went from like 36, 37 or something like that to like 76, which like it's not good, but it's not bad. But still, in comparison, it needs work because sure. you can't f- fix anything else before you work on the defense because defense wins games and it wins championships. So if we can get our defense situated out right. and also allow the four new transfers to continue to gel and just kind of allow the lineups and everything to kind of just like find chemistry and everything without mm-hmm. kind of ruining runs or anything like that. Uh, then I think we should be good tomorrow, but really just just right. start off hot and then go from there because we can't play from behind. Right. No, sure. No, yeah, no. We the, the the our our ideal pace is too slow to play from behind, and we know Willard too. That's a two way street. Yeah, it's a two way street. And this group that he has, I think, is probably less talented than the groups that he had in his best years with Seton Hall. Yeah, I agree, because they just lost to UAB and our good old friend Angelo Brizzy yep. and his Davidson yeah. Wildcats, which... Yeah. Shout out to... The, shout out, Brizzy. The, 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 Catitude, the Catitude podcast is an Angelo Brizzy safe space, all right? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care where he is. Um, in, fact, in fact, just like any Wildcat that transferred, like yeah, Brian yeah, Antoine, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, I'm like, Except for Quinterly. This is yeah, not... Yeah, no. this, is, this is an anti-Javon anti Quinterly podcast. This podcast yeah. wasn't my second choice yeah. for... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what? So, how do? And I want to talk about. I'll, I want to talk about the roster in a second. But so, how do? You, I wonder. Everyone wants Kyle to succeed. I don't. Yeah. I, I haven't met anyone who wants him to fail. I don't. So, I don't I, know. Maybe some uh, just multi-year graduate yeah, of Philadelphia yeah, University sure, with yeah. a master's and a bachelor's um, and won't attend a game until <laughs> Kyle is fired. fired because this is an abomination. In case you haven't heard, yeah. I, so. <laughs> What do you view as a successful season for him? Because last, because earlier in the week, I listed three groups of of people of of three camps of how they view it. There is the first camp, which I feel like is the simplest, which is for him to literally just win more games than last year, and that's it. it yeah, doesn't matter who it's against, doesn't matter how close or big of blowouts they are, as long as you win more in the regular season than you did last year, then that that's enough. For some people, that's enough. Then there's the second group, which they might have a specific you know gauge point, considering how now that he does have the talent both in terms of transfers and in terms of people that were not present due to the health last year are now back this year. People do view that as a litmus test for this year as a litmus test for him. And so for some people, like the sweet 16 is the threshold or, you know, for some people it's the elite eight for some people it's just winning. And you know, there's a range, but the fact that there's a, but there is a specific round for a lot of people. And whatever that is is up to personal preference and how tight of a leash you want to put on him. That's the second group. And then there's a third group, which is the group that I fall into, um, which is that, you know, obviously everyone wants to see more wins. What I want to see out of him, and I feel like even even in the Penn game where we lost, there was a little, it was a little cleaner than last year. The, I think like the late game situational stuff where, 
poor decisions that he made last year now look different this year. Mm-hmm. I want to see those changes because I believe that if we see those, that will then translate into like big more, statement wins well, and everything. That will translate into more wins regardless versus the first group where they don't really care how it happens as long as it happens. Yeah. So which of those three camps would you say you fall into or is it maybe is there maybe a fourth group that you kind I, of identified that I haven't named I feel like I'm a mix of two and three like I feel like with, with this team right now and Kyle I feel like the bare minimum should be make the NCAA right. tournament because there's too much talent on this team to miss the tournament and right. I feel like a lot of it has to rely on what Kyle's game plan is. You know, right. it's those late-game decisions, those substitutions, calling timeouts uh, when there's big runs by the opponent. Yeah. Another The substitutions, I feel like, is the big one for yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, that's a big, big yeah. thing, and one I'm asking a lot of questions on. Right. And I also think that another reason why I'm in Camp 3, which is kind of... It's not the limits test. It was like the just those late game decisions. Right. I think we saw that a lot last year, specifically against um, like that uh, end of season matchup against Seton Hall, right. uh, Creighton before the Big East tournament. Not that one. We're not talking about that one. Right. And those NIT chants. Uh, but uh, we're also looking at Xavier. The Xavier right. game is like what I was like. That was. Kyle Neptune, right. like one of his best coach, if not yes. his best coach game. No, I've seen. he he got better as the year yeah, progressed, and I feel like we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. We have to, yeah. I I, I think the goal for a lot of people is to see that growth continue, as yeah. opposed to it kind of just being mm-hmm. a similar sort of slightly yeah. better, ver- a slightly better version of the roller coaster we saw last yeah. year. And that's what I think a lot of people are fearing right now. They're just fearing that exact roller coaster ride, just with a different roster. Right. <laughs> I want some steadiness. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, uh, so, you know, I, I agree. I, I think that's good. I think what's good for him is the fact that the fact that you and I are able to, um, identify different modes of him gaining approval by the fan base shows that he's probably going to be okay because there, there are other coaches in other situations, um, where, it's kind of either you do this or you're gone, yeah. right? I feel like for him, there's there's some there's different ways. So, so now for the roster, um, I feel like the 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 uh, the transfers are are more kind of you know those have been I think the the part of you know because obviously Dumont yeah. would, would Dumont would the only fr- it would being the only the only freshman. Um, there's there that kind of part of it is not you know as much as our discussion. It it really is the transfers. Um, like I haven't really heard anyone talk about. Oh well, this part of our game isn't really working because Caleb Williams is gone or yeah. something along <laughs> that line. Um, of the transfers so far, who have you been the most? I guess. Impre- I was gonna say pleasantly surprised, but that <laughs> but that would imply that we all had yeah. super hard expectations of them on the year before beforehand. So I guess who between the of the four, who have you been the most impressed with so far? If I'm gonna be completely honest, TJ Bamba, literally that dude has Nova written all over him, and I'm so so like crushed that we didn't get him for like a couple years like before this year because like I get it like kind of just like going to Washington State like. 
solid program there and just kind of like doing his own thing on the West Coast. But also, like, that dude had Villanova written all over him. Like, he reminds me so much, like, both, like, like play-wise and also literally facial-wise of Dylan Ennis. Like, I like I forget who tweeted it out that one time uh, saying that, like, TJ Bamba and Dylan Ennis are basically the same person just, like, a few years apart. And now I can never unsee that. I can literally <laughs> just see TJ Bamba and Dylan Ennis, like, basically as the same person, just, like, not, like, the bleached hair that Dylan had uh, during right. the Oregon run. Uh, but, nah, that dude has just been great, like – like, ball handling, shooting, like, doing all those Villanova basketball plays. And I would also say Tyler Burton. I know he didn't have, like, the strongest of nights uh, this past Monday, but let me just say that dunk he had uh, with six minutes left in the second half. Good God almighty. That was chef's Chef's kiss. kiss. Perfection. Beautiful. Never change that, but maybe get a dub uh, next time. But anyways, (laughs) that's besides the point. I'm still impressed with those two. The the height. The, and we talked about this. The height from him and from where are very, very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, especially in the with the with the, um, with the conference that we have now, where you have Kalk Brenner leading the the leading Creighton and like Tyler Kolek, who's like very big for someone that yeah. has his degree of guard skills. I feel like that height is in, important. You know, I, I know we like to, and this is, and this is, I, I'm not calling you out for this. Cause I feel like there's a lot, I, I've seen a lot of Nova fans. I, I'm really not a big fan of the, Oh, he's just tall <laughs> rhetoric because I feel like, I, I feel like what's happened is that we, as a Nova fan base have become so spoiled with us being able to accomplish what we've accomplished with a sh- with shorter groups that any time that we see someone who kind of breaks that succeed, we, we just kind of point as like, oh, well, that's only because of this thing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, he can't control the Col- – I just use Colt Brenner as an example. Colt Brenner can't control that – as, as just in every way as you know, Sadiq Bay and Eric Paschal can't control that they come into school, come into their freshman year yeah. with more natural muscle than mm-hmm. everyone else, right? Definitely. So I feel like that that height now, right? Like I thought that, given what we saw, I thought, and it didn't obviously didn't go didn't go through, but I thought that Hunter Dickinson would have been perfect, even though he doesn't necessarily fit the quote-unquote Villanova mold. And and that's an, an, and I'm, I want to get to Eric Dixon in a second, but that's another thing that I, I, I wanted to ask you kind of rhetorically is because, you know, we, we're moving into a new chapter of this program, right? And so I, I so I, I, I can appreciate the receptiveness that a lot of the fan bases has had into, because you said Bamba obviously fits the mold, but Burton not quite as much and where definitely not. And, you know, Hakeem Hart, I want to see him, you know, play a little bit more. He isn't, you know, the minutes yeah. are quite there. So he, he he's kind of the question mark there. But, you know, I – Villanova basketball as an entity, I feel like it's, it, it gets talked about a lot. And I feel like as the conference gets better and better and better, there needs to be – and I thought that Kyle did – did a great job with this, 
more flexibility in terms of the kind of people we bring in to have the talent to compete with those guys. I know that there were people, you know, Cooper Flagg is not a Villanova basketball player. Yeah. The idea that you wouldn't want him on the roster just seems purist to an obnoxious point. So in terms of now where we get this new era with Kyle and we're kind of bringing these players that sort of break the mold, how do you view that? Like, do you view, do you think that, you know, because this, this, obviously when we brought in like Caleb Daniels, like he fit the mold perfectly. So that, that didn't, you know, versus now we have some guys that, you know, kind of break it a little bit. Do, Do you, how, do you feel like, that is something that we should be receptive to, you know, kind of expanding the definition of Villanova basketball just so that we can get rosters that are talented enough to compete with UConn and Marquette. I think that we can take... Or is there a balance? I I, I think we should take as much talent as we can get. My only thing is that, you know, they play for the ones who come before us and they play the way that uh, Villanova basketball always preaches, which is play hard, play smart, play together, and play with pride. And a big thing has to do with that is attitude. If you're not going to play for the team, uh, then you're not going to fit in well with this program. I don't care how good the talent is. Really, I'm looking at this as a team, not about a player. Not a group of individuals. Not a group of individuals, a team. And that's, that's my main argument for that. Like, like Cooper Flag, I'm all in. Like if it, like sure. like if he committed, like, you, if, if he committed, I'd be all in. Like if right. it would show that you know, hey, I'm committed to playing hard, playing smart, right. playing together, and play with pride. Like he, like it would show he's committed. Like the people who don't commit to Villanova, you know, they're not gonna play our style, which is positionless basketball right. and just playing with uh, the way we play, and that's by playing hard, smart, together. You've said it. I've said it a million times. Right. But still, I just feel like it's important that uh, they contribute to the team rather to themselves. Sure. And I think that's, like, a big part in what makes Villanova's success so incredible. And, I mean, like, yeah, no, I think, like, where Burton, Bamba, and Hart, you know, like, they're, they're transfers, and obviously, like, some of them you might say right. don't fit the Villanova mold. I, I don't see it that way. I see them as guys who want to win, who want to well, play Bamba for this does. team. Bamba definitely every, does. No, every player. Every, I think, yeah, every yeah. If they are committed to this team, and I've seen it in their body language, I've seen it in their play style and everything like that, no matter their size, no matter right. uh, their limits and everything, they are committed to playing Villanova basketball. And, I, yeah. and that's enough for me. That is enough for me. And they can adjust, too. Yeah, right? like, yeah that's it, a big know, part in it. They don't have to, you know, they, they, you can, you know, you could buy right, like even like Caleb Daniels, who like stylistically um, was very much Villanova esque and Villanova kind of perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, when you tr- when you go from being the top dog at Tulane, you you know he's you know he bought into the extent where he was willing to have a reduced role, and that I thought mm-hmm. you know. That deserves credit. Even in, you know, obviously Jeremiah was a perfect example, like very highly recruited, but was willing, you know, and he, even when he was at like IMG, like dirty, yeah. dirty work was part of his recruiting profile. Mm-hmm. And even, even like Cam Whitmore, who oh, I know a lot yeah. of people criticized for being sort of quote unquote separate from the team. 
was willing to like bring the ball up the court. Yeah, you know, like he, which I know that sometimes like those kind of big profile players who are trying to protect their draft stock trying to shy away from a little mm-hmm. bit. He he didn't like he put in the physical energy to like go out and like operate that. Um, but but no, so I, I I'm interested to see you know not just in terms of on the court performance, but actually like integration into the team, like how yeah. the transfers do that. I'm really curious about. Mm-hmm. As for the current players. I'll just ask you straight up, what's going on with Eric Dixon? <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I, I have some thoughts, but just I'm just gonna ask you as blankly as I can, just what, you, what's going on with Eric Dixon, Ryan? Well, um, I think a lot of that has to do with his, um, with his dad receiving stale popcorn and lemonade that cost yeah, yeah, yeah. twenty dollars at the home opener, and we have yet uh, to hear if he got fresh popcorn and lemonade at uh, the Lemoyne game. So I feel like that's a big part. Has, in a, it. has a Bluetooth thing in his yeah, ears. Like, hey, yeah, This concession <laughs> sucks. I want you to miss this free throw. No, no. But uh, honestly, Eric's one of my guys. You know, he's like, I'm, I'm kind of tight with him. You know, he's just. Overall, great dude, great player. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, by the way, if you aren't already following Eric's dad and Eric's mom on Twitter, you are missing out there probably arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, Nova parents on Twitter because their content's absolutely amazing. Shout out if you're watch- uh, listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with kind of just like his new role on the team. You know, I think just kind of he's a fifth, he's a fifth year but like technically fourth year guy. Right. Who he really put in the work this summer? You right. know, he kind of looks a little bit, uh, just kind of like trimmed up and everything like that. And now, like having the ability to play his natural position at the four, right. rather than kind of like having to play the five because he's the biggest guy on the team. I sure. think that helps a lot. Yeah. And I think really, you know, he's just had he had an off night against Lemoyne. You know, Penn. You know, he was just kind like all the guys were getting manhandled. Monday night, yeah. but really, I say just like keep it patient, keep it one game at a time. You know, he he's gonna be all right, and so with the rest of the guys, like you know, like Easy E is just gonna like he's gonna Easy. have one of those nights rather sooner rather than later, and um, you know, like you'll you'll hear me screaming it if you can hear it on the broadcast. He can't guard you, he he can't no, guard you, right. and uh, <laughs> you know, it's it felt it felt weird during the Lamont game when I was yelling sure. at, and he just like kind of dished it out. I was like, I was like. But brother, like yeah. he, he can't guard you. And uh, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you, you doing? Do? Yeah. Stick, stick to the plan. Yeah, stick exactly. to the plan. Stick to the book. So I, so I, 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 I talked about this the first episode. So what I feel like happened was that, you know, like two years ago, he was clearly like the ascending player on the team. Yeah, right. Definitely. Like, like very similar to like what we saw with like Sadiq Bay like year two. Right. Mm-hmm. He was the ascending player on the team. Um. And then I feel like in Kyle's first year, he tried to like he take, was, take that momentum and almost like overuse it and he, maybe put him in some situations that he wasn't ready for yet. An- another part of that was like kind of like he was asked to do too much. I felt especially like. with, I felt more, like, with more yeah, with out. more out and with more out first part of the year. You know, like right. he was kind of asked to do too asked, much. Yeah. Everybody and everybody and their moms weren't healthy. Sure, like at various points during sure. the year, which. Really, really sucked. So I thought the first game against American was like the perfect debut. It was perfect. For him specifically, it was the perfect debut because I thought he was very proactive. I thought he he created his own shots, which but and he yeah. did it without going in the paint, which I thought was, I think in terms of him, his development is a great next step. 
what I feel like is now happening, and as his role is getting bigger, the next natural evolution for him, because, you know, we saw, you know, it was, you know, get used to being a smaller center. That was step one. Then it was shooting threes. That was step two. Step, you know, step three, what we saw against American, the cuts, the, yeah. the, 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 like going coast to coast, like the, that's yeah, like the, a- the dishing, the, you know, kind of the, the step, you know, fake pump step up, right? Like, like the, Jermaine, yeah. like Jermaine Samuels, like that was, you know, Jermaine, even though he could do it freshman year, got better over time. Literally. The next step, and I'm not sure if this is the best example, but I feel like the next step for him is being effective without scoring. Oh yeah. So right so like Gillespie was like could do that flawlessly even Jermaine when he was here could I feel like do that that's the literally ne- ultimate glue guy yeah Jermaine seriously was. so that's the next step for him now now I'm not gonna and I, you know how you you know I'm not a huge he does the right things person but that you know where he can score six. And still have an impact, you know, whether it's rebounding, whether it's the screens that he's setting, whatever. Um, so yeah, like I don't know, like I, 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 it's it's interesting because it's so polarizing because he he did it, the, the it, it was great the first night and then just kind of shot. Down. It yeah, was it was weird. Just, I, it it was weird because I don't feel horrible about it, but it, I don't feel bad. I just feel confused. You yeah, know what I mean? I I feel like a lot of it is just like. It's just basketball, you know, like a lot of times like you'll have like really good nights and like you can be as consistent as you can be. Sure. But like some nights the shots just won't fall. Like it was kind of the same thing Monday night. You know, we had right. uh, some good looks that just weren't falling. And that's just kind of like the way the lay of the land. Like it's just like it's it's right. basketball. Like it's just a game that just like has its good nights, has its bad nights, shoot them up, sleep in the streets, all that jazz and everything right. like that. Uh, but really, I I'd say, you know, like. You know, he's still, like, working it out. Like, you know, we got some fresh meat in the gym with, like, some new opponents yeah. and everything rather than going against your uh, your own teammates where they know sure. exactly what yeah. you're doing and everything to the point where it's, like, literally, like, it's so predictable. It's, like, right. back to the future type stuff. Sure. Because more, cause more gets, because of the position that he plays, gets more kind of natural opportunities yeah. to score than Dixon does. Um, not saying that they don't feed the ball to Dixon a lot. They do, obviously. But, no, I, I agree. And I, and I feel like now he's going to have to learn to play with people that are similar a similar height as him, which I feel like, you know, because he had time with Jermaine to, like, really, like, you know, get it going. Yeah. Now these are fresh people, never, no contact, you know, wears, you know, wears bigger than him, you know, Burton's the same size as him. Mm-hmm. And that'll be interesting. So, and but, and I and I and I say that agreeing that having Burton and Dixon in the starting lineup is the correct thing to it do. Is. It's the yeah. correct thing to do. I wouldn't change that. No, I'm just igno- I'm just not. acknowledging that that is part of the process. Um, now I want to talk about guard play. Right, this is Villanova. What do we talk about? What 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 do we value at Nova? Ryan, say it. Say consistent it. Cons- guard play. consistent guard play. Um. How about Hausen? Dude. Oh uh, so I so you and I and you know this. So I advocated I advocated for him to start. I advocated for him to start over Bamba. I I understood it was 50-50. I 
maybe maybe it was and maybe it was me being scared of the transfer the only transfer that I thought okay like this guy should 100% start was Burton I feel yeah. like between Hausen Armstrong because of what he did at the end of the year earned a starting yeah, spot he earned it the the odd one out was do you go with Bamba who's better than Hart right who mm-hmm. we we all knew Hart wasn't going to start it was it was it was Bamba and Hausen um and I I don't and Bamba's playing really well and Hausen, from a shooting standpoint, has been much more consistent last year with even with like similar volume. Like he didn't play when we when mm-hmm. he made six three, he didn't play like a super abundant, you know, number no, of minutes. No. And so Armstrong between those three has been the weakest. And I and I think now with Kyle like being in like a year where he understands his seat's a little hot, I don't think that the starting lineup as it is now is a hundred percent safe. Like do do you and I know it's hard, do you view Armstrong getting benched in the starting lineup for Housen as a po- realistic possibility given that Hausen might not be as natural of a ball, bring the ball up the court guy, which mm. I think, which I think is okay considering how Moore does that a lot of the time. Regardless, like how do you? Yeah. I'm not trying to overreact to Armstrong no, no, or anything, no, no, but I want to give Brennan his props. I think for me, other than his three ball, because Bamba's not uh, getting uh, benched. Obviously. Yeah, no. Other than his three ball, I don't think Hausen is ready to start yet. Sure. I think like. Like, a lot of what he does offensively, like, three-ball-wise, incredible. He's, like, phenomenal, can, like, shoot from literally half-court if he wanted to and most likely make it. But if he doesn't make it, then, like, something's really off that night as we saw Monday night. Right. Uh, But defensively is where I think he needs work, especially man-to-man. I think Housen, he's more of a zone kind of guy. I think, like, that's kind of what he played a lot in high school. And, you know, when we see him on man-to-man, he kind of just gets, like, blown by a decent yeah. amount of times, you know, like it's just kind of like he's losing his man and just everything like no, that. that, that I know that what, that's the biggest criticism of him is his yeah. defensive ability outside of structure. Yeah, but also like offensively too, I want to see him like get to the cup, not just three pointers, you know, like right. three pointers are a small part in the game. You got to get to the cup, you got to make uh, those like tough jump shots and everything. It can't just rely on the three ball. Right. And that's what I think is holding Housen back from starting. I think Armstrong, you know, he can work on he his can three slash. ball a little bit. But he can slash. Yeah, no, he can slash. Right. But I think that Armstrong is, like, the most logical option to be starting at the one. But right. my option was, like, at the start of the year was um, just kind of uh, my lineup was more at the one, Bomba at the two, Hart at the three, Burton at four, Dixon at five. Right. Mainly because, like, I, I see Hakeem Hart as, like, literally, like, the perfect glue guy. Yeah. Like, obviously, he hasn't had his big scoring night yet, and I... I hope it's tomorrow in his uh, Hakeem Hart revenge game against Maryland. Yes. Uh, but um, I think uh, that, you know, he's just an ultimate glue guy. He can just get it done on the floor and do what he got to do for his teammates. Uh, but I think Armstrong's a great guy right. for the first uh, spot, especially given what I saw towards the end of last year. Right. He looked like an absolute stud. Uh, but really, it's just kind of like with Housen. 
I think, you know, he just needs a little bit more time, a little bit more work in the gym and everything like that yeah. uh, to work on other parts of his game. Hakeem Hart scored how many points <laughs> against Maryland? Against Maryland? Against Maryland. It's like, no, you're saying revenge game. And he's like, it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, like a, like a YouTube, like, bake like, it's and like, I took that personally. Yeah, it's like Hakeem, Hakeem Scarts scores 40 in how many minutes? Um... Screw it, just have him start play eight minutes yeah. like he did on Monday night and he's gonna it's score like, forty. It's like Hakeem Hart playing center. <laughs> um no, I, I yeah, no, I, I think that that's fair because I feel like Bamba and Moore are good enough of three point shooters to compensate yeah. for for that, for having has enough. Now I will say I do I think Housen's minutes will continue to, to, to go up because we saw them you know yeah. go up last year from start to finish and I think that trajectory will that'll continue um I I would like to and I said on the, uh, la- earlier in the week um I don't feel like people really understood when he came in how good of a shooter he actually was as opposed, not just it being his archetype, where oh, he's a shooter, like that's what he is. Yeah, like, he's the Amarillo assassin. No, yeah, he's Amarillo assassin. <laughs> no, like no, like no, like I'm not even kidding. Like this guy was viewed as like one of like the ten or fifteen best shooters in his entire class. Like not right. Like so, I, I and I and I want to see it unleashed because I feel like three point shooting has been such a big part of our success in the past, mm-hmm. and. You know, again, how is it, you know, maybe the the defense one-on-one, that does need work. Um, but I, but I, 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 but I, I get it. I get both sides. Yeah. Because, you know, and you know me, like, I'm not a huge, like, and like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm not a huge, like, does the right things, right? Like, last year, you know, a lot of people, and I wasn't necessarily a part of this group i question it but i was open to it yeah i know a lot of people at the beginning of last year were a little frustrated we're not not frustrated that's not the right word we're a little confused at the beginning of the year with chris arch starting oh my god not this topic Uh, oh my god and (laughs) you'll know because he's he's he no because and for a while he was i was like okay like he's gonna come in there and he's gonna play thirty five minutes of mistakeless basketball, right? And he did do that. Mm-hmm. And I thought that last year, um, he, uh, he did the right things, but it didn't translate to scoring. And I especially it felt especially last year in the early games that were close losses, mm-hmm. even just those extra few points. Would have been would helpful. Have been, would have been helpful, and yeah. and and that, and I think now, I feel like that rhetoric, and this might sound harsh, and I understand that, but I feel like that rhetoric was just kind of used to justify it in the absence of so many key pieces, because, and you know that that's true now, because now we're here in this year, and we have all these new guys, and he can't find minutes to save his life. Yeah. So, 
like w- like what do you like what do you think like because I because I, I I think I know some people that and I could even put myself in the script that he is like the perfect like backup guy where you know he kind of just facilitates you know hey where go here or hey you know heart like you're out here like go click this way like get the yeah. three right but I don't I don't hate I don't to- I think he should get more minutes than he is getting now. But I don't hate yeah. that they're down from last year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Like, so like, what what do you think? Like, how do you view his role on the team? Because it's we it's very weird, especially in this program, to go from starting to just kind of well a non factor. Okay, okay. So here's the thing. Last year, I said it earlier. Everybody and their mom was hurt. During the right. beginning no, of the exactly. season last yeah, year. Yeah. And we were kind of like struggling because we had no point guard. Our two best players were out. So right. really we had to rely on the guy, you know, who comes in for uh like Gillespie when he tours MCL. Sure. Like he came in during March Madness, did what he had to do, helped right. us to a sweet sixteen. And run. that was part of why I was open to it, because he did yeah, take on he, that because he, he took did on that start role because that previous yeah. year. And honestly, um I think a lot of people just forget and Chris is a good friend of you and I. Like, yes, we're, like no. we're, we're good friends. This, this is like, this is not an anti-Chris Archidiacono podcast. This if, is this uh, is a pro-Chris podcast. If you are anti-Chris, I highly encourage you now to just stop listening because it's all pro. This is all pro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, seriously, you know, like he was put in a role where he was um, in a role where it was like too much was asked of him to do. Right. So, and honestly, you know. He literally in his like player profile from like Villanova basketball like officially is he is a pass first player. Right. Anybody who's criticizing his scoring uh like ability, I'm just like guys, literally look at the official media guide. It says he's a pass first player. Right. And I always tell this to anybody, I'm like, I swear to God, if you criticize my guy Chris, like you are never gonna hear the end of it from me. I'm going to like I like I say this every time and I don't care like what it like gets me. I'm like I could I will literally take a bullet for Chris. I will absolutely take a bullet if I had to for Chris. Like Chris is that guy. No, literally like he's he that is guy, the, he's such a nice dude. Like great player, great guy, uh, and just overall just like really damn funny and just awesome. he is funny, dude. He, he is, is he's, he's a funny guy. He is hilarious. He's a hilarious guy. Yeah, no, but like seriously, I'm like. I'm like obviously like I had my thoughts on Chris before like I met him and then when I met him I'm just like wait no this dude's cool as can be right and then like like the people who hate him right now like like they don't know who Chris yeah, really no, no, is no. and that's like a problem like I'm not hating on Chris yeah no this no. is this I is think, not yeah I think this year like it just kind of shows you know like he kind of can go to his role where like he's gonna come in kind of not turn over the ball possibly right. get a couple good looks or buckets if he gets the chance. And just make place for others while other guys get some rest. Uh, but yeah, no, like we have so much depth this year that right. like really it's okay for him to take a back seat. Sure. But really for me, it's just like, just like, just do your best in your right. final year. I I it. thought no, I I I thought that five and and I think and I and I thought that you agreed with me like last year. Like I thought that you know like five six games in, it was pretty clear. Like okay, Armstrong should be starting. Like I, I like I, I'm kind of right. Like he earned it. And I, I, if if he wasn't a freshman, I feel like that would have gotten done yeah, much I feel like quicker. That yeah, but the thing is, like, just like 
Chris knew the system more right. than Armstrong did at that and point. And that that is and, valuable. Th- and that's like that's like the value portion of it. No, that, that and like, that's why I argued that's one of my arguments for Hausen starting over 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 Bomba was for what exactly that. I understand I understand it and I get it. I I thought I do think and I think 95% of Villanova fans agree that he was Starting out as the starter, I think I feel like was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. given the circumstances. I feel like ninety five percent of Villanova fans would agree that he was in the starting lineup longer than he should have been, and at that point, it, it what it felt like to me to like ten games into the year was just kind of dishonesty from the coaching staff about who was actually playing well and who deserved minutes. Well, I think I think is that fair or is that kind of cynical? I think me and uh, Arch Madness twenty four seven on Arch- Twitter would, would probably disagree with sure. that. But really, just like he didn't start for too long, you know, he just like how many games did he start? I, uh, I he what- started for every one. I'm pretty sure up until Justin returned. And I'm like, yeah. I think it's like 15 or 16 games. Yeah. But really, like, I was like, I don't care who starts. I'm like, what matters is just playing Villanova basketball and like win or lose. If we can just play Villanova basketball for 40 minutes, I'm happy. Right. And, you know, like there was like a lot of times when, you know, just like a lot of the younger guys would make some mistakes and everything. And like, I was kind of like, oh, uh, right. like we needed like more like depth or experience and everything like that. Right. And I, I think the reason why like Bamba We have is, that now. Yeah, we have that now. And I think Bamba over Housen is because of Bamba's experience playing college ball and right. starting at that level. Right. Like he, he knows. Because Housen's still an underclassman. Yeah, he's still an underclassman. Like give him like uh, just some work, like now, practice next year. Next year is the perfect year for him to start. I agree. I think he, he can definitely start next year. I just want to see the other parts of his game get right. worked on a little bit right. more. Also, I think it's I, – I do think – and I and I did ask I, – I, I am thinking about it enough to, like, ask the question that I did earlier. I do think that we – it is – Mark Armstrong has earned a full year yeah, in the starting he lineup. Because he, he only started, what, like, maybe the the, the back 12 yeah, games no, of the year? Yeah, no, he started, like, the – Actually, no. He started only um, started Oklahoma, then Penn, then BC. It was like weird. Like it was in. He in started it- up until the Marquette game. He started up until the Marquette game. Okay. Well, like the first Mar- the home game where the crowd was absolutely dead. It just, right. Like, it was bad. I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to put a number on that. Yeah. I no, I, I can't can. count. I, can I can't. Count I three. can't count either. <laughs> I'm a comm major. I can't. Yeah. Count. No. I just only. I only, I only speak words. Yeah. <laughs> this the. Um, Ryan, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you being on here. This what a Dude, great what is, a great awesome, first guest. I I'm sure that I'm sh- I can almost guarantee that we're gonna have you back on here at oh, some point. Please, I would love to come back on. So, so I I guess uh I I I guess um so I, for the p- people that don't know, I'm in, I'm I'm currently a a, a news a sports news desk intern. For uh for the 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 Philadelphia Inquirer and I go and cover Drexel games a lot and I go to Daskalakis and I it makes me really and this is not a shot at the Drexel student base but it really does make me appreciate what the effort that you guys and your team and your exec board do to 
get things to a state that they are from like a from like a like a spectacle standpoint. Yeah. So thank you Aww. for because they seem like really small things, and like it's easy to compare and contrast us with like Duke and UNC oh, and Kansas. But when you step outside, I think it really makes you appreciate what we have here and how energized it is, especially especially for a smaller school. Oh yeah. Cause definitely. Cause I, and I think that that makes this kind of experience unique. And I, f- yeah. because, cause even in recruiting, right. A lot of kids, cause if you bear in mind, they have to, they have to be students too. Yeah. It's and, student athlete. And, yeah. And academically some, some kids get a little kind of, you know, they might get s- not scared, but overwhelmed by a bigger school, just yeah. just in the same way that you and I might, right? So I feel like you know that's a that's a great selling point, and with a smaller group, it's harder to get that much energy. And so, but you and your team execute that really, 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 really well. And so, I'll, from all of us here at the Believe Network, and all of us here at uh, at on campus. Thank you, oh, thank you, man. Ryan, for what you do. Thank, thank you, Anders. But oh. really, the, all all that work that goes to Ryan Todd Hill and Angie, uh, they are president and vice president of the nation. They do an absolutely tremendous job, and all the executive board, they they do all the hard work and all the heavy lifting. I'm just there to just lead the crowd and everything. Right. That's no. just that's just what no, I do. Yeah. But they they deserve all the credit for that. That is all them. They they do so much hard work. Janine Brett, uh, Janine Show, who's our uh, Associate Athletic Director Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. They do a phenomenal job making the nation what it is. So really huge thanks to them. Yep. Oh man, look at you, Mr. Mr. Selfless, Mr. Villanova basketball over here. It's it, it's 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 a personality. It's just part of my DNA. It's what a person it's a personality. <laughs> um all right. Well, we're gonna wrap up now. But but thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Ladies and you. gentlemen, you just tuned into a very special episode of the Catitude Podcast. Thank you for making us a part of your week. I have been your host, Anders Pryor. Uh I will be back to give you guys more excellent content next week. And and Ryan, I don't know when we'll have you back, but we'll have you back. That's oh yeah, hundred percent. I want to come back. I love oh it. yeah, no, we'll 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 bring we'll bring you on here, ladies and gentlemen. Have a great week. Go cats. Go cats. Go have some at. Go out there and have some attitude. Thank you for tuning in.